This morning we're looking at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we're, um, we're back in um, the church in time of suffering for a little bit to finish it off. So let's all turn there. You know, magicians today, uh, no one would really claim to be supernaturally empowered you know, on the stage, uh, maybe not beyond their persona or something. You know, we, we can very confidently sit and enjoy something that seems miraculous uh, to know that it's, it's just illusions. And, and I do enjoy that. Um, but a hundred years or so ago, <clears throat> it wasn't as clear cut. People made a living convincing other people that what they were doing was supernaturally empowered. An example would be there was uh, big scams of people um, um, claiming that they could communicate with a deceased loved one. And history has um, shown some of the most famous people in history to have actually uh, fabricated a lot of that. And they go through great lengths. They, they set up the room afterwards. They make objects shake and, and even levitate. And, and, um, and they would, would follow the, this is testimonies from, uh, from that time. They would follow the, they would try and find out information about the person um, or the family beforehand they would have hire people to follow them around and that when they come for the 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 spirit reading they would know things that would seem impossible to know but they went through great lengths to um to fabricate this scam even to the fact that you could see an a real <laughs> well real i was going to say flesh and blood but that would be um, that would be a pun, a uh, ghost standing in front of you. And you would leave and say, I saw it with my own two eyes. It has to be real. You can Google how they did it. It's actually quite easy. Um, it's, it's quite fun as well. Uh, hopefully you, you reveal that you're not actually, but anyway. <clears throat> no, it, it is. It, it was very straightforward. Um, but incredibly convincing. Now, in the age of Photoshop and CGI and digital effects, they didn't even need that back then, but now it's worse. Seeing isn't necessarily believing, and it never was. Here in our passage this morning, called Godliness, Smoke and Mirrors, Paul warns Timothy against a form of godlessness that threatens the church. And it is not an attack. It's not a siege. It is an infiltration. There's going to be convincing forms of godliness fabricated, and we must know how to identify that and protect ourselves.
from that. And you're thinking, are we doing false teachers again? Like how many times do we have to sit through a message? But let me ask you this. Somebody famously said, have any of you encountered a false teacher this week? It's not a question, have you? Okay, great, there we go. <laughs> it's not a question of if, it's a question of uh, when. You are being exposed to it. And if you don't know, then you are being influenced to some degree. That is the fact, it is so common, it is so prevalent, it is so in our face that if you can't think of a specific, like, have I, have I? Chances are good that, that maybe not taken, but certainly been exposed to it and not been aware of it. <clears throat> I don't give it much thought. I don't think about it every day. I don't examine everything I hear on the TV or radio or read. But, but certainly I should be much more on guard. It is a danger, and we're going to look at why it is so prevalent, why we need to be constantly reminded to protect ourselves against it in a very specific way to this morning. So let's look at it, um, chapter 3. <clears throat> so 2 Timothy chapter 3 from verse 1. We'll read it and go through it together. <clears throat> this. Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of of God, <clears throat> having a form of godliness, but denying the power of it from such turn away. For of this sort are they who creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with various lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as there also was. Lord, I pray that we may be weary and... Um, sober-minded when it comes to those who would resist the truth, those who would falsify the truth. I pray that you may help us protect ourselves and our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, guard the knowledge of truth for our sake of our spiritual wellness, and for the sake of your glory. Amen. So what's, what's behind the curtain? 
the Wizard of Oz, if you've ever seen it, uh, had uh, the wizard pretending to be this mighty ethereal figure, but he was actually just behind him, behind a little curtain, and it was just an old man, you know, speaking to a little machine. That's what I think about when I, <laughs> when I imagine this. This I know, it says, that in the last days perilous time shall come. This is today, this is yesterday and tomorrow, and it has been the last days for 2,000 years. We're not talking about the end of days. We're talking about um, um, the age that we are in now as we await the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing between now and the end. That is why the Bible refers to refers to it as the last days. In fact, there's an indication he, he's speaking 2,000 years ago, and this was a very real threat to them. He's, he's speaking in present tense to them. So perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And for two verses, it describes this, this evil, wicked, godless, um, dark, uh, nature or, or um, the depravity of a person, and you think, we should be able to spot somebody like that a mile away. What is Paul warning us about? Surely um, we, could, we could see this coming. Let's look at some of the, maybe the, the more uh, strange words, words here from the King James. Heady is to be headlong, rash. Um, disobedient to parents, unthankful. If we are not good and obedient in the little things, uh, we don't show faithfulness and godliness in the small things, we certainly won't um, be faithful and godly in the bigger things. And that is what that is indicating. Without natural affection, no love for your family, for your mother or your sister or your children, false accusers, despisers of those that are good, to be resistant to someone or hostile to someone who is trying to do the good thing, a good thing or the right thing. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient, yeah. Con continent. Is to, um, is to not have self-control. It says in verse 5, it summarizes uh, or, or adds an addendum to this description, and it says, having a form of godliness. He warns us of this because what is so, should be so plainly evident is hidden away behind a veil of godliness. Very convincing in some cases, wouldn't you agree? It says, but denying the power of it. To have a form of godliness and to deny the power of it. <clears throat> Many who I would consider um, true false teachers um, are... Um, Love to use the word power, right? Power of prayer, the, the power of the spirit, the power of this, the, and, they, and, they, uh, 
and they throw that word around. The power of godliness is the saving power of the gospel. It says in Romans, and the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We don't need to look any further to see a true miracle when a soul that was once dead in sin without any effort or, or deed or act of themselves were, was given new and eternal life in Christ. <clears throat> and it says in Scripture that we can see the evidence of that. We, we can see the fruits of the Spirit. And it's, and it's not there just soma. It's, it's there so we can, we can look at a changed life and know that it is true and real and legitimate. So who is behind this curtain? <clears throat> we see the description of a person that if we just pull back that small veil, we would see some disturbing things, but that they are hidden behind a form of godliness. Where does this misdirection lead if we, if we were to believe this facade, what would become of us? And we can all sit here in a, in a, in a good, I think FBC, I mean, you feel the same, is, is a good biblical church. <clears throat> I hope you do. <laughs> And to say, we, we won't be subject to that. We won't fall for that. We, we can see it coming. First Corinthians. Um, Therefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he falls. We are most susceptible when we think we're not. That is why there's so such consistent warnings. <clears throat> but in verse 6 it says, For of this sort are they who creep into houses. It's saying that, I think it's referring to a specific case where there was um, most likely a group of false teachers that... Um, that did this specific practice that would target um, women um, who are vulnerable, and it says laden with sin. In other words, buried and burdened. Did you bring more water? Warm water, thank you. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> you guys are awesome. to be so weighed down with our misdeeds and our sins, <clears throat> the natural uh, instinct is to remove, to, um, to hide ourselves when we are uh, burdened with the shame or the guilt of sin. And for, uh, 
for someone to come in uh, into the privacy of a house where there's no one to object, no one to correct, and to um, tell you a narrative that absolves you from your guilt and, uh, and say it's okay, whatever you've done, and, and to somehow um, uh, remove the need for salvation and, and make you comfortable in sin. Wow, that, that would be tempting for someone in a situation like that. <clears throat> in fact, we kind of see that today as well, right? Um, now somebody on TV can say all kinds of things to millions of people at a time, and we watch it in the privacy of our own home where there's no one to correct and, and guide us back onto the path. And so um, it speaks to a perhaps a, a incident, specific incident of that time, but it's representative of the dangers of the facade of godliness. It says in the previous chapter and the previous book, um, where it talks about the motivations uh, of false teachers for filthy liqueur, um, for, for the, the greediness and the, and the potential um, uh, extortion that a person can gain from somebody in that position. <clears throat> the fact that we read about such specific things in the Bible and we don't have to look far to see it so commonly um, happening in our time proves to the relevance of the matter. <clears throat> so we must not think that we are beyond being vigilant. It says, led away with various lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. <clears throat> Isn't that so true? find ourselves circling the things that we want to hear. Before I got saved, I speak of this commonly, not specifically Christian, but I think it's a, a propensity um, of, of human nature to, to seek our own truth, to, um, to chase after this thing that might seem true, and then a new trend develops, and and we chase after that for a little bit, and then there's some societal changes, and now things need to be updated again, you know. Um, uh, the, the Gospel Truth, 10th edition, you know. We, we, we're pro natural disposition to it, and I have experienced it firsthand. Um, but never actually coming to the knowledge of truth. That, that is where the road leads. That is what would inevitably come about if we allow ourselves to be misdirected. <clears throat> Listen to what Jesus himself says in Mark chapter 13, verse 22. For false Christs and false prophets shall rise. False messiahs, he says, 
and shall sow signs and wonders. What's that? What's, what's, what's the common word for that? Miracles. Shall sow signs and wonders to seduce. Even if possible, the elect. Even believers who have been saved, the atoning blood of Christ, were especially good targets. So Jesus himself said, there will be false prophets and they will show signs and wonders to us to seduce us. I teach many times how careful we must be when somebody claims to do anything miraculous, when the, the scriptures themselves says that we need to be careful, and we're so happy and so willing to, to, um, to believe, we, we want it to be true, and we forget to do the checks and balances. <clears throat> Let's consider the next part, mighty acts versus cheap tricks. How does, does Paul elaborate on this, this false form of godliness and these signs and wonders that can also be falsified? In verse 8, now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do also these resist the truth. He's referring to Exodus chapter 8, when Moses was commanded by God, Moses and Aaron, to confront Pharaoh and to speak uh, on behalf of God, let my people go. <clears throat> Pharaoh demanded a sign. He demanded proof. How do I know you're really from God? And God gave them a sign, sign and wonder. That's the definition of a miracle, by the way. It's not arbitrary. God doesn't just scatter miracles to, to just, it was always purposeful and always specific. <clears throat> so it was given to be a sign to Pharaoh to validate Moses' warning. And, uh, and this, the sign was that Aaron would take his staff and he would cast it to the ground and it would turn into a serpent. Okay? <clears throat> and so they went and, and that's exactly what they did. In fact, uh, God told them beforehand that Pharaoh would demand proof his heart would be hardened. He wouldn't listen, even if you did give him a sign. Um, and there's going to be a, a reason that he's going to give. Okay? Cast it to the ground. There is a snake. The idea is that Pharaoh went away and called, it says, sorcerers and magicians. And doesn't name them in, in Exodus but it names them here. And he said, can our gods 
do this? Can we replicate this sign somehow, this miracle? And they said, sure, no problem. Now, there's various scientific and medical theories of how it might be an illusion. It could be, it could have been an illusion. Um, how are you able to take a real snake and inflict um, a state of like muscle tension on it? I don't know. It could be um, actual uh, demon empowered magic. I believe that that is uh, possible. Okay? Whatever it is. <clears throat> They falsified a testimony of God to, um, uh, to validate his messenger. They falsified a sign. And because they did that, Pharaoh said, oh, well, that's not really proof then. We can do that too. And, um, and the events lead on. <clears throat> he says in chapter 8, just like those magicians falsified a miraculous work of God, imitated it. He says, so do these also resist the truth. That they've heard the truth, that they've seen what is real, and then they recreate it. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, rebels of the faith. Do not think that you are immune to this. Do not think that um, because this person has done this, they are a man of God or the mouthpiece of God or in any flavor or variant of that. And you point to something that they've done that cannot be explained. The Bible says that that is not how we test faithfulness. That is not how we discern godliness. In fact, I think that Paul is even directly implying that the people he's referring to, to the Ephesian church, to Timothy, did try and fake miraculous works. And he's not just drawing, um, uh, it's more of a direct illustration, and I think it implies it there. It says, but they shall know further in verse 9, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as also was um, the magicians in Moses. In, verse, in chapter 9 of Exodus, <clears throat> the plague of the gnats, where all the sand, now think Egypt, okay, the grains of sand turned into mites, owl. And the magicians tried to replicate this miracle, and they could not do it. And they went to Pharaoh, and they said, this is the finger of God. Do what Moses says. This is, this is the real deal. <clears throat> Therein lies the difference. Mighty acts versus cheap tricks. <clears throat> Miracles are not done on a stage in front of a live studio audience. Miracles cannot be replicated. I'm hesitant when people say that they have the spiritual gift of healing. I honestly am. 
because I have seen so many testimonies where it has been falsely proven, where men of God has been caught in um, IRS tax evasions and marriage affairs and um, um, prostitution scandals. And then the next week they go and they heal people on stage. I am hesitant, and I would warn you as your pastor to be hesitant as well. When Jesus and the disciples did that, they went into a town, regardless of faith, regardless of belief, regardless of stature, they healed every single person in that town. Imagine somebody walking into Whitbank Hospital and clearing the hospital out. That, that's hard to say. I would believe that. Perhaps this has motivated my interest in illusions and magicians. Um, I came across um, a man, Darren Brown. He's a mentalist and one of the world's greatest magicians, but he's an atheist. And he, um, he's done a series of, of videos where um, he he recognizes the, um, what Paul is talking about as an atheist that, that people are using the facade of faith to con people, to extort people. And he took it upon themselves to, to, to prove, to replicate a miracle, but saying up front, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and imitate faith healing and see if it really is the finger of God or if it's Janus and Jambres faking miracles. And he did. He trained a person. He did some interviews. He um, got a person, also an atheist, uh, very um, confident, very tall. He considered physical stature, appearance. He considered... The person mustn't be too um, beautiful. He mustn't be too a certain height, a certain stature. Um, he worked with the person for weeks and weeks, training him on on um, on influencing and and um, and body language and cues and things. And um, and they did. They held this this massive uh, healing uh, service, uh, faith healing service in Texas. Um, and, and thousands of people came, <clears throat> and it was a success. And at the end of the, of the service, um, the upward of $100,000 that they had collected, they gave back to the people, and, they, and they, they confessed the truth. You know, They said, this is what we did. It was eye-opening for some, um, others not. Others left, many left, saying, this man is truly a man of God. He's just denying his gift. He is empowered. And that is what Paul warns us against. What is the test of godliness then? How do we know well, we're going to look at that next week. 
because this is the context for what we read, our very famous passage. But all scripture is inspired by God. That passage is what stands on top of this. How do we know Paul? Well, we have scripture. Why do I insist on doctrine? Why do you always point to the Bible? Why is it always about what the Bible says? Can't we experience our faith for once? Maybe our definition of experience, maybe our definition of a living faith is different. Let's see what the Bible says about experience living faith. Not really. But that should be our default. It should be our... our, our our, our go-to thing. <clears throat> even today, even this, not today, this week, I was sitting with a family and I was showing them from Scripture that what they held is dangerous to them. And if they continue in this, it is dangerous to the church. Some of you might even know it's actually public. To look at such plain, clear biblical evidence and reject it. It's very, it's very saddening. I, um, I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. So here are, are three quick things before we get into next week's more um, thorough defense, here are three things from the text today that we can consider to protect us from a false faith. Firstly, it's easier to defend a fort than to defend a field. And it says that in the text that victims are more susceptible when they're isolated and alone and so I encourage you to be part of a church, to be part of this church if you're here and if you're watching online, to join a church, to make sure you're surrounding yourself with biblical believers who you can keep accountable and, and can keep you accountable, who can help you, who can be there when we stray to help us right. We act in love we, we, we would never um, uh, judge a challenge or a sin if there is repentance. And that is the, the wonderful thing about a church family. So it's easier to defend a fort than an open field. Second, when we're examining the legitimacy of what people are teaching us, we must not only consider their words, but also observe their lives. Here in the text, it gave us a very clear description. Things that are very difficult actually to hide if we just look out for them. And a very objective list. Is this person, whatever they're teaching, however effective Their, their words are, is there some evidence of the veneer? 
I think it can be very easily surmised. So this applies to me as well. <laughs> you are welcome to follow me around the whole day and see what I get up to. I'm mostly just back here. Um, I get distracted very easily. So I'm all the way back here reading and studying and preparing. And if the church is empty, I'll pace up and down the pews while I'm thinking. That's fun as well. If, if you could spot a trail, you could almost like see the indent of my footsteps. You can see it. Um, I will gladly submit my personal and public life for scrutiny any day of the week. And any minister who says anything from Scripture should be able to do the same. In Second uh, Timothy, in First Timothy, we have the qualifications. It's it's character. It's it's is this man um, truly living what he's saying? <clears throat> so the the tests are easy. And lastly, and we're going to examine this more next week. But hold scripture close to your chest. <clears throat> Jousting. You know, if you know the sport where they have a competition with long lances and big broad shields and they can see who can knock each other off the horse, <clears throat> they say one of the techniques is if you hold your shield out here, it can't protect you. It'll actually break your arm. It says the most solid protection is if you tuck the shield in close to your body like this. Kind of like this, right? <laughs> we'll look at how we can defend against such things from Scripture next week. But I pray that you may be aware of it. And aware of our own propensity, propensity to believe such things. Dear Lord, we do pray and we thank you for the truth of your word. You pray that we guard our hearts as it is sometimes very erratic and very untrustworthy. Daniel says that our heart is evil <laughs> above all things. Who can know it? And it speaks about our depravity, Lord, our, our need for new birth, a new nature, a new being that comes with salvation, with repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, something that is impossible to fake. May we turn to your truth and your scripture and lean on it more and more each day. So we can live a true and, and, and wonderfully rich and alive faith that is based on truth. Lord, we, we thank you for your word and for your goodness in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.